0: on ABC Sunshine Coast, you're with Alex Easton. Good good morning, it's 7.10 and you're listening to Sunshine Coast Breakfast with Alex Easton. This morning, we are going to be talking about some unknown history of the Sunshine Coast and Wide Bay. Um, A few months back, we had uh, a very interesting yarn with a Carby family researcher named Gilberrie Fay. Over 10 years now, he has been following his uh, grandfather's grandfather footsteps and, you know, earthing all kinds of hidden and unknown history of this area dating from 1842 up until 1892. Gilbury, for those who did not hear our last yarn, can you tell the viewers about your journey?
1: Yeah, good morning, Alex. Thanks for having me back again, brother. Um, Yeah, about uh, 10 years ago, I discovered a, a person in my family tree, he was my grandfather's grandfather on my father's side. His name was John Fay. He was an Irishman, born in 1814. Uh, he, was, uh, he joined up the English, joined as part of the Irish regiment, joined the English army, was sent to South Africa where he was where he reported back one hour late for duty and was charged with desertion. So for that little crime he was sent to the colony of New South Wales for the rest of his life. He ended up on a very hard uh, convict work gang, a road gang, building the, what would be the Monaro Highway, just near Armadale there in New England. Slave labour on the roads, my grandfather decided to escape and he
0: This is the part of the story I love, Gilbert. Do you mind if I tell it?
1: Uh, I know you like this, but no. Go ahead, my brother. Go
0: ahead. The day John Fay decided to escape, he throws a pickaxe at the convict overseer, knocking him clear off his horse. Uh, John Fay then breaks both the man's legs, strips him of his clothing, ties him up and placed him on an anthill. Apparently, the screams could be heard up to 100 kilometers away as the ants eat him alive, right down to the bone.
1: Yeah, I know. Um. Some of your audience out there Alex might be thinking oh geez that's a, that's a bit of overkill isn't it but um this convict overseer was particularly uh, nasty he was also a fellow irishman an ex-convict who by right should have been a brother to Gilberry, not to, um, to john fay not a uh, an enemy and it actually worked uh in his favour because the Blackfellas in the near vicinity were so impressed with this that they uh, allowed John Fay, my grandfather's grandfather, to travel with them along the old pathway, the old Dray Path heading towards Warwick. And he's done the right things because by the time they divert into the bush to head towards their territory which was the Ucombe speaking people's territory which is the territory from Narang, Mount Tambourine, uh, all the way through Palm Beach, Burley Heads, um, beautiful part of the country and that's where he stayed for six months.
0: From the stories I've heard, most convicts who tried, you know, escaping and gaining sanctuary with the blackfellas were either returned to their convict master in exchange for a reward or killed for breaking a tribal law. Filberry uh, must have been a very switched on man to be accepted as he was.
1: Uh, Yeah, Alex, he he did prove to be a very resilient fella. I remember he had three years uh, posted with blackfellas in South Africa. And then he was also another three years on the road gang. And I didn't mention to your viewers, but before his first es- this escape, he actually tried to escape about eight months earlier, um, and he was uh, in the bush for one month. So he's used both of these experiences, plus I'm sure he's observed, and he would have heard stories of escape convicts, like James Davies Durham Boy, and David Bracewell, Wondai, uh, escapees from Moreton Bay, Alex, who had been living with blackfellas for dec- a dec- over a decade, and these stories travelled down the convict telegraph, so he knew he would have prepared.
0: So after spending six months with the Yukum speaking people of Narang, where does John Fay go next?
1: So it's now late December, early January 1843, Alex, and John Fay is spent 6 months with the Yukam speaking people he's starting to learn basic hunting and corroboree and in fact his past time with the Yukam they have uh, been teaching him a corroboree that they will be presenting when they attend the uh, Bunyi gathering the great Bunyi gathering which is being held at Baroon Pocket which is on modern day Jinnabara country it's up there near Balane Mapleton uh,
0: Gilbery, can you uh, please quickly tell our new listeners the significance of the Bunya gatherings for First Nations people?
1: The Bunya gathering was the most important event on the Blackfella social calendar. It occurred uh, triennially, which is every three years, and that's when there's a major uh, harvest of Bunya. That's when the Bunya nuts drop in huge numbers. Now, The bunya tree is our sacred tree. It is older than the dinosaurs, the bunya tree. It fruits a giant bunya nut, and they are delicious. Alex, I'm sure, I don't know if you've tried them, but they are delicious. They taste somewhere between, I'd say, a macadamia and a potato. So once every three years, tribes from all over, and we at least know 14 tribes would come and meet and gather in the bunya scrub around the bunya trees each family would have their own bunya tree and if you took the bunya nuts from someone else's family tree that was a serious crime you never did that they would come they would gather they would stage battles massive battles alex we're talking a thousand versus a thousand people battles they'd arrange marriages they would have a meeting of the Bunya Tour Council, which was a gathering of the, of the a selected headmen from each tribe. They'd all sit and they discuss and business for the region. So the Yukon people decided to take this white fellow, Gilbury, who, had they, who they trained to perform a corroboree, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but they would also tell his story of the anthill, and what he did to the convict master. But apparently when the, it was time for the Ucum to perform their corroboree at the, the Bunya Gathering and it was held at Baroon Pocket, which is near Mullaney, on modern-day Ginoburra country, apparently uh, they pushed Gilberry to the back. They hit him as they all started dancing and then they all were performing a well-known corroboree and then all of a sudden gilberry would pop out, out to the front And he would dance that well-known corroboree perfectly. And everybody would be laughing and amazed and shocked. Like, who is this white fella doing this? But it was at this meeting that Gilbury's fate would change again when the one of the the main tribe there that was the the host of the gathering were known as the Abaiyambura. And there was a chief there who looked at Gilbury and looked into his eyes, looked into his spirit and declared that this white fella was the return spirit of his recently departed son. He'd recently lost his son in a battle and this was a common belief amongst the blackfellas of the time. This was how Boy Davies and Bracewell Wondi were adopted. They believed that they, this is the term they used. They said it was that the person would lie down white whitefella, jump up black blackfella, meaning they had a transmigration of their spirit, meaning they'd been reincarnated as a lost family member. And as a reincarnated returned family member, and this was proven once the whitefella started speaking the language, the tongue of the tribe, he would also retain the, the wives and children of the, uh, the person that he's been reincarnated as. He would hold the same respect as the chief's son, but at the same time, as a grown man, he'd also have to go through uh, the same ceremony that young boys go through. And when Gilbury was captured, he did an interview, and he speaks very fondly of his ceremony. Of, of performing and being part of ceremony. He mentions two places. He meant and this they're not secret, so it's okay for me to to mention them. One was at Burul, which is near Harvey Bay, and it is a ceremony place that Gilbury's tribe, the Byron Bora, the Merry River men, had to undergo before they were allowed to set foot on Gari. So that was the gateway to Gari basically and the other ceremony place he mentions is Bolia, which is Bolia is actually making a reference to a squatter they killed, but Bolia region is a the Mulu, red belly black snake man making ceremony. Very important for Bairambura. Part of these initiation ceremonies is a scarring ceremony where you are scarred, they call it Mugari scarring. It is unique to each tribe. Now Gilbury was scarred on his shoulders, his chest, but not his back. And the reason why he wasn't scarred on his back was because he had been flogged three times in his life. Once in South Africa and twice uh, as a convict on the road gang. So his back would have already been horribly scarred from that. So they wouldn't have scarred on top of that. But he did hold the Bayern Border, the carby scarring on his shoulders,
0: and chest. Ilbury, I'm so sorry, but unfortunately we are out of time for today. Would you mind calling in tomorrow so we can continue this history yarn?
1: Yeah, my brother, I can do that. I'll I'll call you tomorrow, eh? Have a good day, Alex. Bwana
0: News is coming up next. ABC Sunshine Coast, you're with Alex Easton.